This morning, I want to ask that all of us just for a second take a moment, and if you, it helps to close your eyes. If not, just think for a second. But I want you to think about yesterday. Think about Saturday. And I want you to just consider for a moment, where was the Lord present to you on Saturday? Perhaps there was something that the Lord was prompting you to say or do, somebody he brought across your path, some way that he wanted you to interact with someone or accomplish something. How did you respond? Were you obedient or did you ignore the Lord? Well, what I'm suggesting that you're doing here is actually a very ancient practice. It's called the examine. It's a spiritual discipline of the early fathers that would, and mothers. It would, it would be an opportunity to look at your day. Usually you would do it at the beginning or the end of the day and think back to where the day before, where you were and what you did and where the Lord was close to you and where you ignored him. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton, uh, who's a writer, wrote a book called Sacred Rhythms, uh, that I would highly recommend if you haven't read it, says about the examine, when we begin to practice this discipline, we become conscious of God's presence at all during the moments of all of our day. But our examine helps us to become conscious of evidence we might not otherwise have noticed. We reflect prayerfully on the day. We realize that someone was particularly kind or compassionate towards us that God was loving us through that person. Or perhaps there was a moment when we narrowly escaped harm or injury. And we look back, we see more clearly that God was there protecting us. We also may notice, she goes on to say, something as seemingly inconsequential as the choice to hold our tongue rather than say something critical or gossipy or a moment when we were able to be lovingly selfless in a situation where usually we would have been self-serving or mean. We know that the ability to do so came from God at his work in our lives. Examine is uh, just one of the things that I'm learning about, learned about in my class this week, and, um, and just want to impress upon you the, the, these tools, these ancient tools that we can continue to use in our lives. It's, it's difficult, let's say, to be attentive, isn't it, to the Lord in our daily lives in the midst of all that we're doing and uh, all that's going on, especially on playoff weekends and football and other exciting things that have uh, occupied our time. The attentive life, something that Leighton Ford talks about, the attentive life. And truly, our story uh, of Eli and Samuel is, uh, is one of learning to be attentive to the voice of God, right? I love this story. Um, it's not lost on me that Eli is an aging priest and he's no longer can see very well. And, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, um, but Eli, if you know the backstory, uh, so Hannah is, is Samuel's mother and Hannah is at the gate bemoaning the fact, crying out, sort of like Lena for nine years, crying out to God because God did not answer her prayer and she was barren. She couldn't have children and her, the other wife of, of her husband, in those days they did such things, had many children and so she was bemoaning that and Eli the priest thinks she's drunk. 
And he goes down to scold her. Why, what lady, why are you drunk at nine in the morning? And come to find out, he's, he, Hannah says, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm crying out to God because, you know, I'm barren. And, and, and Eli says, the Lord will answer your prayer and sends her away. And, and sure enough, Hannah's womb is open and she has a child. And much like Elizabeth in the New Testament, she cries out to God in this beautiful prayer. Hannah's song, it's in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel, and it's wonderful to read. And, and, and God gives her Samuel. And so Hannah does the unthinkable. She takes her child, whom God has given her, the answer to this prayer, all these years of bemoaning, and she gives this child back to, to Eli to raise in the temple because she knows that this is to be a special child. There's a special calling on his life. And, and so we pick up today's reading in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel where, where Eli is beginning to teach Samuel how to hear the voice of God. And I, I use this in confirmation sometimes, and I, I love this story because it, it really reminds us that there is a process of, of learning to discern the voice of God and all the voices of the Lord. And, you know, three times, you know, Samuel thinks that Eli is calling him, and, and in fact, it's the Lord, and so he has to know it was the Lord. And, and really what's going on is, is catechesis, which is in the, it's from a Greek word, just meaning oral instruction, Eli is instructing Samuel on how to grow in maturity in the Lord, how to begin to hear his voice and enter into what God says. To us. And, and in this case, it's painful because it's basically a, a pronouncement of judgment on Eli. He has terrible kids, bad sons who are deplorable, and God's about to judge them. But Eli says, let it be unto me, as the Lord has said. And so in this process, there is this catechesis going on. There's this learning to hear and obey the voice of God. And that's, that's so much of what the Christian life is about, beginning to hear the voice of God. I, I probably have told you guys before, but uh, I had a middle schooler, I don't know, 20 years ago, and, and he were on a retreat weekend, and I said to him, Sean, why, you know, I said, I'm, I'm surprised you're going to be here. And he goes, well, he says it was either come on the retreat or stay home and smoke pot all weekend with my friend. And I felt like it was probably better to come on the retreat. And I thought, wow, Sean is hearing the voice of God. You know, God has spoken through, you know, we're beginning in the catechesis process. There's a beginning to be a, a, an acknowledgement of, of God's voice in his life drawing him to himself. And, and that's always the key for us in discipleship, learning to hear the voice of God. Now, the interesting thing is that the Lord employs other people in this catechesis process, this oral instruction, this learning to hear his voice, learning to respond to him, learn to grow in faith. God uses people just like he uses the disciples to draw one another. You know, Andrew first it was with John the Baptist. We read that a few weeks ago. And and, and Andrew becomes a follower of Jesus. And then he goes and finds his brother Peter. And says, come, come, we found the Messiah. And then, and then Jesus calls, in our passage today in the gospel, he calls Philip. And Philip then, on his own initiative, goes and finds Nathaniel. And says, come, come and meet, find the one whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. God calls us and then he employs us to be about the work of calling others. And this is a clear theme of epiphany, right? That we're to know Christ, we're to make him known, we're to, we're to be those who go make disciples of others. 
Part of that is not simply just bringing them to Jesus, but helping them learn to hear and trust his voice. I had the privilege this week of praying with a young man and him receiving Christ for the first time. No greater joy, right? If you've ever done that, it's no greater joy. But for him, the, the life of Christ has just begun. And, and so now is the process of, of learning and being catechized, of learning to hear the voice of God, beginning to re- obey and, and to grow in his faith. And, and that's going on and on and on. And it's a, it's a marvelous thing. The gospel and the season of Epiphany particularly are full of stories of people who all of a sudden become aware of who Jesus really is. Whether it's the wedding at Cana or, or whatever the situation is, they, they recognize Jesus for whom he is. By the way, there's, a, there's an amazing TV series that Dave Hall put me onto called The Chosen. And uh, find it and watch it. it is an, it's, it's, it's fictional, but it does an amazing job of just depicting Jesus for who he is. Um, anyway, well, Nathaniel is invited by Philip and comes to Jesus, as we see in our gospel passage today, and which, of course, is what our dream is for, for to see other people come to faith. But there are some barriers that Nathaniel has to overcome. First of all, there's the problem with Nazareth. Now, in, you know, the old Alex, I'm the new Alex, the old Alex would have referenced some city in Florida and said, it's like being from fill in the blank. I'm, I'm wiser and older now. I'm not going to put fill in that blank because inevitably somebody comes up to me and goes, I'm from blah, 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 and you just insulted my, my hometown. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just was, you know, making an illustration there. But so you fill in the blank, whatever Nazareth would be, you know, in your life. But First thing Daniel, the thing he has to do is he has to overcome this, this, this stigma of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, are you kidding me? Really? The second barrier he has to come overcome is the barrier of physical distance. Come and see is the invitation by Philip. But you, you read the gospel, you read the narrative we just, we just heard. Nathaniel actually has to come to where Jesus is. He's not physically with him. It's not like, oh, by the way, here's Jesus. Nathaniel, you might. It's, Nathaniel has to go and physically cross that distance to come to him. You know, why do I make a big deal of that? Because I, I think there's always those barriers in our own lives. Preconceived notions. We're learning to, implied biases that we all have, right? Towards other people and, and sometimes towards the Lord. And sometimes we have to overcome those things. Maybe for you, you know, or someone watching, First um, Corinthians six is a is a barrier for you because you just heard all the things that God says will, those that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, and and there's so much about sexual immorality in that passage, and it's, it can be very, very, very prickly, right? And it can be hard to hear. Well, you didn't think I was going to just ignore that passage, by the way, right? And it's too, too hard. Why is that in the Epiphany readings? I have no idea. However, it's there. And, I, and just to draw it out to say, you know, Paul is talking to a group of Christians in Corinth who are convinced that they're so spiritual, what they do with their bodies doesn't matter. They've severed their private spiritual life from their public life. And so they, they want to be close to God and claim their spiritual superiority over Paul and other disciples. At the same time, they're visiting prostitutes and they're doing all sorts of things because it doesn't really matter. 
Notice, by the way, there, there's certain words in that ver- those verses that are in quotes. Those are not, that's not Paul's words. Those are, that's, he's quoting back to them the very things they're saying. And Paul's saying what we do with our body matters. But amongst the prickly words in 1 Corinthians 6, he may not have picked up, but, but there's, this, there's this wonderful verse in there where Paul says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you were sanctified. The Lord in his graciousness says that what we do with our bodies matters, but there's opportunity to, just regardless of what you've done to grow and learn and change. Change your mind and heart about who God is. is care for the totality of who you are. He wants to form you into the image of Christ. He wants to see you not being conform to the world but being transformed by the renewing of your minds as Paul says in Romans 12 there are other kind of barriers Samuel has a barrier of ignorance he just simply doesn't know he needs to be he needs to be catechized needs to be taught but maybe it's a different type of physical distance that we have to overcome you see, I, I've become aware of how distracted we are. By the way, there, I don't know why this is like a video sermon, but um, if you've not watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, put it on your queue to watch. If they have such a thing, as they still have a queues on Netflix, watch The Social Dilemma. If you don't have Netflix, find somebody under the age of 40 and let them show it to you. Um, it is eye-opening. It's eye-opening about what, what social media and technology and the dangers of how distracted we can become. Jack Gabig is a professor at Trinity Seminary. He spoke to our class this week and gave some statistics that were scary. I was going to pull my smartphone out and, and show you them. But I thought, you know, that would be kind of hypo- hypocritical. So I memorized them on the way to church, made Jody listen to them. 4.6 hours per day. Nielsen ratings back in 2017 said that, that the average American spends 4.6 hours a day on their cell phone. 4.6 hours. Facebook in 17 said that Facebook users on average spend 50 minutes a day on Facebook. And a study by uh, a journalist, Weisberg, back in two, that same year, 2017, concluded that the average American checks their smartphone every 4.3 minutes. That means you've already looked at your phone three times <laughs> since I started preaching, right? <laughs> That's scary. How distracted are we? Maybe that for us is, is the dis- distance from the Lord. Now, you may be saying that doesn't apply to me. I'm not addicted to my cell phone. But what is it? Work? News, TV, cable TV, surely there's something. Are we willing to make space for the Lord? Are we willing to hear the invitation to draw closer to the Lord and to be attentive to what he says? For surely the best way for us to make disciples for Jesus is to model something in our lives that is attractive. And if that's going to be the case 
then we have to allow room for the Lord to speak to our hearts and minds. And that may mean we need to take a fast from our smartphone, at least for the first hour of the day or the last hour of the day. This morning, as we think about learning to hear and respond to the voice, we, we examine the life of Samuel, learning from Eli to hear and respond to God's voice. I wonder, are we willing to be instructed by someone else? We all need somebody to catechize us. The Lord is calling to us. He knows uh, each of us. He knows each of you as well as he knows Nathaniel. He talks to Nathaniel and Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Jesus knows each of us and he wants to draw you to an attentive life, a life where he can speak to your heart and mind. He'll use other people to help instruct you, but ultimately he wants to bring you to that place of intimacy with him. He is inviting you and I both to come and follow him. Will we be attentive? We're going to come to the end of this pandemic someday, sometime. When you look back on it, with more time at home, more time in isolation, more time on your hands, what will you have done with it? Well, you've learned to be more attentive to the Lord. Or will you just have knocked off another 50 or 100 Netflix series and spent endless hours browsing internet news on your smartphone? The invitation from the Lord, graciously, peacefully, is to draw unto him, and he will draw unto us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.